Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. Before we get into a very exciting episode today, as always, quick housekeeping, make sure you follow me on Instagram at felix.levine. I post small clips of all my episodes on there. And YouTube, super important, you know, do that whole shebang, the like, the comment, the subscribe, of course. You can do that by searching my name, Felix Levine, there on YouTube. Uh, all the content goes there in its full video versions, clips, um, potential new content down the line. It will obviously always be there, so please make sure that you are subscribed there. That is a huge, huge help. And of course, reach out to me. Um, ways I can improve the show. Things that you want to see or hear. People you want to see or hear. Uh, reach out to me on Instagram via DM or email felixlevinewtg at gmail.com. You can also find that on my website, felix-levine.com for all of my contact information. I think that's it for the housekeeping. And my guest today. She is one of the most professional, talented, and well-loved people in the MMA and UFC community. You have seen her in a host of different roles for the UFC on ESPN, most notably as the first female color commentator in UFC history. Please welcome, for the second time, Laura Senko. <laughs> in studio, Laura. Well, first of all, on a personal note, it is an absolute pleasure to see you in person at the studio. And then from the show's perspective, thank you for taking the time to come on for a second time. I'm excited to be here. And there's a reason I'm coming on for a second time because the first time was fantastic. And I wasn't lying when I said it was one of the best conversations I've ever had. So no, I was happy when you reached out. And um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And I love Brooklyn. In New York City. Yes. Back in New York City. So you were telling me, well, you were here, obviously, when you were working, when you were younger. Um, how many years did you live here? I lived here two years. Okay. Do you, do you consider yourself partially a New Yorker? I mean, I feel like I'm kind of a poser if I, if I do that, no, because yeah. like the real you New Yorkers would be like, no, 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 no. Yeah. no. I might but there was a minute that. where I was heading that direction. Mm. You know, I, I knew my way around all the subways. Like I had the... I had the city tricks. It takes a while to pick up on the tricks. If I dropped you in the middle of Brooklyn, could you get back to the city with ease and without GPS? Right now with ease? Probably not. Okay. Probably not. But back then. In Manhattan, I, yeah. When okay. I lived there, I probably I would have been fine. And yeah, I just remember the first, <laughs> when I first moved there and I set up my apartment, this is so, because I'm coming from the Midwest yes. where everybody, there's a giant parking lot and you just drive up your huge SUV to Target and you buy half a Target and you okay. load it in your big ass car and you drive it to the big giant streets home to your giant house and whatever. And so I had this teeny tiny studio apartment in Manhattan, but I needed to get like, I had just moved there. So I needed like ketchup and salt and pepper and all the stuff you need to outfit your kitchen. So I loaded up at the grocery store and then I was like, oh, I don't have a car. <laughs> and it was before I learned the trick of like every place will deliver anything you ever need mm -hmm. at any hour of the day in New York, but I didn't know that. So like I was carrying these bags of groceries, three, three long blocks, not the short blocks, the long Big blocks, avenues. the east-west blocks. Uh, and I would walk like a hundred feet 
and then set it down. And it was yeah. the dead of winter, and it was just. And I was like, "This is so hard. Why am I here?" But that's a real New Yorker thing. It is. I remember seeing my mom do the same exact thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. as a result, in the Midwest, I'm no, I'm no two trip bitch. Like when I come <laughs> home from the grocery store, I'm like, I can get have, it all in the house yep. in one trip. No, it's all about the one trip. It's yep. all about the. But now you have your car. You have a nice one at that too. I, was, I do. Yes. I saw that your husband yes. spoiled you. He did. That's a. It's a. It's like a. It's a white G wagon. Is a white G wagon the Ooh. new, the brand you, new one? What were you riding before? Uh, I have a Audi. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So A6. Like it's, it's it was not like certainly not a like no no no. It was yeah. Great. It was a good car. It was a good car. I'd and been you, and you like the G wagon? I love it. I'd been eyeing it for a while. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, they're overrated, and maybe they are. No, 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 no. They're not overrated. Maybe they're slightly overpriced, <laughs> but. <laughs> I love it. It rides great. They they changed a lot of it. Like it's not the old G wagon. It's a daily driver now. There's cup holders. There's you know the suspension's nice. They made the back seat, you know, reasonably big. I love it. I love it. Was there a special occasion for that? Not really. I think I'd just been wanting one for a while, and um, you know, no, there was no there was <laughs> no occasion. There was no occasion. My husband likes to say it was. It was okay. This is your birthday, Christmas, birthday, oh, Mother's Day, Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah. Like, and I was like, wait, is this retroactive yeah. or is this we always looking got the next forward four years? Too, yeah. yeah, I don't know. We haven't. We still need to figure that out. But well, I guess you'll find out next year. Yeah, I mean, I partially paid for it too. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> the money's shared. So you know, you let's go. not call it. <laughs> is there a little something, perhaps, that the world does not know about you just quite yet? Oh, something that the world. Well, does first not know. I'm gonna I'm gonna quiz okay. you. All right, go for it. I like quizzes. Do you remember what you said last time you were on the show virtually? Was it the story about how I think I maybe mm -hmm. got the job? Okay. Um, Although you did share that. I don't know. It's a little. I'll give you a hint. It's a little <laughs> trick that you're able to do. With my legs. Feet. Lower body. Yeah. Feet. Yeah. You can. Do I some, mentioned that. Yeah. You can do some like reverse. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can turn my and feet all the way backwards. Later. I can probably show well, let's you see, now. Let's see. Let me. I mean, it's easier to well, do camera, like and I can get the traction. This is so gross. I can't believe you're making me do this. Oh wow. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, you can't get heel hooked. Yeah, like I can't get heel hooked. They just they all. It's but what ha I mean. But, first off, it's really unattractive. <laughs> how'd you find out that you could like do such? Well, things? I was born so I was born with hip dysplasia. Oh. So I was in like a, a brace. Well, this could be the thing, I guess. I, I was guess. in a brace for the first, I don't know, I, I don't remember, but like eight months of my life, I guess, in like a, where they had my legs in like a frog position to, really? I guess, I think what it is, is like my hip socket was too shallow. So like my hips could have come in and out of socket too easily. And they take the baby's hips and like shove it into the socket to make the socket deeper and more round. Um, but... I guess it just gave me like extra flexibility in my hips and knees somehow. I don't know. It's weird. So, so I, I assume you've never been heel hooked successfully. No, <laughs> at least not. You we can go the other way. You can oh. go the other way. <laughs> but that, yeah, like a normal heel hook, it's yeah, it's pretty hard to do to me. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But well, it makes me. I mean, I I run like an absolute idiot. Like my running mechanics are horrible. Really? Yeah. It's, I have too much flexibility, like waist down, there's just, I don't have like, you know, you watch like a really graceful runner and they have this beautiful stride. Not graceful. Oh God, no, it's so bad. It's so bad. We're just in the outskirts of Kansas City. Yeah. No one can see you. Well, except kind all of, the people driving all. by. <laughs> and I uh, tried to run track in high school and it was just like, oh, uh -uh. don't do that. 
Well, I, I never asked you, was there um, after New York or wh- why did you move back to Kansas City? Mm. So if you'll remember, you were probably 12. Um, <laughs> actually, I think you were younger. <laughs> oh my God, now when I'm was doing it? the math. It was 08. Oh. I was eight. <laughs> oh, God, you were eight. Well, you don't remember because you were in second grade. Um, but 2008 was not a great time not to be great. starting a company. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Not to say that's the only reason it, that it didn't take off like wildfire, but uh, yeah, it was just it was it was a tough time to be launching hum- a company, especially here in New York. So um, the company didn't do what we wanted it to do, and uh, which was fine, you know. That's that's the startup life, and so I moved back home, and I still worked in the sort of startup world, venture capital world, for a while when I moved back to Kansas City, which is how I met my husband, because mm-hmm. he's an angel investor, among many other things. Um, so yeah, that's why that's why I moved back. And then ever since you've, you're happy with that decision? Yeah, yeah. I gotta tell you, I think the most gangster shit on earth that you do <laughs> is Tuesday night you'll be at the Contender Series, maybe like Wednesday early morning, you got boots up. Yeah. Like, I think it's milking your cattle or cow. I, I'm not. Don't, I, I'm not a big. Okay. I'm not a big animal guy. It's so okay. excuse me if the terminology is off. It, your mil- goat is, is like some. I don't, oh, you're have, with your yeah, animals. No, yeah. Like deep in the <laughs> deep in the weeds in the mud. Yeah. So we have cattle. Um, they're not. They're not dairy cattle, which is nice because when you okay. have dairy cattle, that is like a daily. They need to be milked every day. Okay. Um, obviously the big farms have the machines that do that, but no. Uh, but we do have a couple of bottle calves. That's what you're thinking. And we have a couple of calves. One whose mom died and one whose mom was just like, I'm, I don't like you. I'm not taking you. So we have a couple of calves right now that need to be given bottles a couple times a day. And yeah. I think for me though, I went like, I think that is, it's also like the most humbling thing. Or I mean, yeah. you could probably speak to it as well. It's like, you're on these big platforms, obviously, and then you yeah. come home and it's just like, well, no one's going to take care of it. Like, I got to, I got to, you know. I have a story for you, actually. Tell me. Well, did I tell you my Snoop dog story in relation to the cattle? I think oh, I already not, told not you that one. in relation one. to the cattle. No, I didn't. I think you, I think, well, I don't know if you even told me that story. I do remember, like, Snoop was a fan of yours. Well, I mean, that's a stretch, but okay. thank you for saying that. Well, you, <laughs> he knew he, my name. You, didn't you guys, like, kick it back and, like, Yeah, like, him? there was there was one time where after the show, and I did tell that story on your show, but um, after the show, we hung out with a big group of people, but it was the next day that was so funny because I'm not a big goer-outer, but that night, I mean, I made oh. an exception, and so... Do you smoke weed? I don't, but, did you smoke but weed? I did then, just I the one. Like, see, I don't smoke weed, but if I've never smoked weed. But yeah. if I was with Snoop Dogg, I might. That's have to what make happened. That is what happened. Yeah. But what's really funny about it is that is a very Bill Clinton moment, and you probably don't even get that reference. No, I don't. But it was essentially <laughs> like I know who Bill Clinton is, but the Bill Clinton moment. <laughs> he had this very. Oh God, I feel so fucking old right now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. He had this very famous line when he was campaigning because back then it was like we found out that you smoke weed. You're a terrible person. You can't be our president. Right. And he was like, Well, I didn't inhale. And it was, I kind of didn't because I was so worried. I was like, I don't know how yeah, yeah. this will affect yeah. me. So it was kind of, it was like the lamest what if you're sick attempt. With, what if you're sick with Snoop? Exactly. So anyway, um, the next day I got home and my husband had to leave town for some reason. So he called me like as I'm landing in Kansas City. He's like, hey, just so you know, when you get to the house, you need to go right out to the pasture because one of the cows is having trouble. And, you know, you might have to call the vet. You might have to help this cow give birth or whatever. 
And I did. It was a whole mess. It was a whole day-long ordeal. The vet that they sent out was too small. Like, she was my size, and she, her calf jack wasn't working. So I just remember, like, at one point looking down, I'm, I'm helping her pull this calf. And, like, I still have my fake eyelashes on from the night before. I have the stamp from the club and afterbirth all over. Like, it's just, it's just the juxtaposition of, like, television, Las Vegas, UFC yeah. life, and then back to the farm, you know? Do you um, think, do you feel like it humbles you? Yeah, I mean... If listen, if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest, like don't don't get too don't have this vision of like, oh, she's up at dawn yeah. and like, you know, shucking hay and like <laughs> mucking stalls. It's not like that. We 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 live on 150 acres. We have about 35 head of cattle and their calves, but for the most part, they don't need like day-to-day care other than what I said about the calves that we have that are on bottles right now. We do have a pretty intensive like grazing system where we move them a lot but that's really easy to do with a four-wheeler and my husband does it most of the time and it takes like 15 20 minutes a day so don't like don't <laughs> picture me please don't just picture with the me. mud and all, yeah and she's like... up at 4 a.m <laughs> okay about, no that's not i'm that's giving not, you too much credit you're a little bit too much yeah do you ever miss the city life of new york i do really yes yeah i would never want to i mean i love new york i personally would never want to raise a family here it would be really, really I mean, the logistics were tricky just being an individual. I mean, I can't let alone like car seats and I don't know how you, I don't know how people do it here. I don't know. That's all I know. Yeah. So, and, and I only know the opposite. So obviously people figure it out. There's a lot of people that get raised here. Um, I loved it. I loved it for the time I was here and I do miss, excuse me. I do miss like when I, when I came back, last night was when I got in just the energy of the mm-hmm. city and the fact that there's always something open, always something yeah, to do, yeah. but it's also a hard place to live logistically. Yeah. Like there's just, everything takes a lot of planning and effort and even, you know, even getting I, here I is, it's a thing. We're planning 54th and 6th and yeah. he's on 54th and you're on 6th and there's traffic. Yeah. 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 The whole shebang. Yeah. <sighs> but speaking of, uh-huh. you must be exhausted. <laughs> like I'm honest. Well, first I am eternally grateful because the fact that you to come here and to do that means a lot to me but on top of that when you think about like your last shit i don't know five six months yeah and you're traveling in like you just you just flew in just from vegas straight from vegas i did yeah um from the last day of contender series to now it's 268 and it's like it's one thing to be physically exhausted but mentally i imagine it's as well no yes yeah it's really just sort of that turning the page from fight to fight. I can't mm-hmm. study multiple cards at one time. Right. So during contender series season, it's just week by week. Mm-hmm. And some people be like, oh, I'm fighting on week eight. And I'll be kind of embarrassed. I'm like, I have no idea. I haven't, I haven't looked at week yeah. eight. I kind of don't want to know about week eight because we're on week six. <laughs> but if you have a Saturday and then a Tuesday, you're only, I wait. Sta- you're only starting I wait. to like Sunday. Yes, to, yeah. And how do you, I wanted to ask you, how do you prep for, especially those contender series fights, there's not a lot of footage <laughs> on most of... These individuals. I have, over the years, honed the skills of of scouring the dark web <laughs> and finding footage. Um, you know, you you learn little tricks like like if you want to find certain Brazil footage or footage mm. in China, you have to have a VPN on. Oh, and then you get different <laughs> Which VPN to use. Uh, Nord, Nord. Big on Nord. Big on Nord <laughs> or sh- what's the shark? I don't know that one. So I only use Nord. Nord. Nord's a good one. Um, That's interesting. Because then different stuff comes up on YouTube. And the UFC doesn't, there's not like one person in charge of like well, getting footage. Once you, 
once you're like if we're calling fight nights, then yes, they will okay. actually send out a link to the I think the three most recent fights okay. of whoever. And if if the footage exists on Fight Pass, of course, it's really easy to find. So if right. it's LFA, super easy. But this year, Contender Series, we had so many Russian and Chinese mm-hmm. and Brazilian fighters. And some of the smaller promotions that aren't on Fight Pass don't put their stuff up on Facebook. Like, but I'm pretty good at finding stuff. I'm pretty good. I'm not going to lie. But, it's a skill. M- but mentally, have you... Like, I'm sure there's part of you that's a little bit relieved that now you're going to have a little time off with regards to Contender yes. Series. Yes. I mean... I say that, and two weeks from now, I'm going to be like, I miss it so much, and I just want to go back. And I, I, and I will, because I, this season was so special, mm-hmm. you know, for a number of obvious reasons. Um, it was just great. And, but, yeah, I'm ready, <laughs> ready for a break, because the, the amount of information, and I overstudy, right, because mm-hmm. I want to. I want to have – I'd rather have 100 pieces of information and end up using three – than having, you know, n- not enough. I, I just, I would hate to not tell someone's story. Even when you're talking about their fighting game, their fighting game is part of their story. Like talking about their career trajectory up to that point, their tendencies, all that stuff. So even when you're breaking down film, to me, that's still telling the story of that fighter. And I want to tell it as accurately uh, as I can. So I probably overstudy, honestly. Well, I think it's also because you're a professional. A real professional no and because i'm just like an a-type and i've always been okay. that way it was just that's how i was in, in school and college and everything so well i also want to and so for people who don't watch either a the ufc or b the contender series yeah um and you're humble and you won't say it but you were the first color commentator in zufa ufc history this past season yeah uh first female excuse me yeah uh, color commentator in zufa ufc is it zufa or zufa zufa, zufa. It's yeah zufa, right um, and I was privileged enough to be there on that night, which is so crazy, which was crazy for a lot of reasons, because if people didn't listen to the, the last time that you were here, um, you very candidly spoke and yeah. manifested being, uh, a color commentator in the UFC for the UFC. Um, and I think for me it was just awesome because of like the sequence of events that happened that yeah. day or that day before. And um, it just, it made that moment. You could feel that there was something special in that moment. And when I was sitting, and I think I texted you this before or during, Dana was like maybe like completely parallel to me. Uh-huh. And right when they started the broadcast, now I could be speculating or I could be reaching. But he did put on the headphones, and that yeah, was the only time. And he yeah. d- and he doesn't usually do it. And he was really, and I you could see the TV in front of him. And it was right when they kind of showed you, and I think uh, it was maybe Dan uh, Helly who was uh-huh. doing play by play. Yep, uh, introduced you because I had to rewatch it because I couldn't hear it. Um, and and I think that that whole night was just so special. And for me, a moment that I'll genuinely always remember is well the day before when you called me to let me know that that was happening because yeah. that was awesome for me. Um, on a personal level, just to see you realize that dream. But yeah. also on that night, you hadn't had time to check social media because for people that don't know, you literally did everything. Like, oh, it was so much. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain exactly what that looked like from the sides. Yeah. But I got to show you kind of Dana's post and the UFC's post uh, about you being the first color commentator. Yeah. And uh, I think I'll always remember that moment. And, you know, as a friend and as someone who uh, who is rooting for you, 
in every way, it was just awesome to to be a part of that. So I imagine it was quite memorable for you as well that that night in general. It w- it was. I wish I could have bottled it up to you know take little sips of mm-hmm. throughout the rest of my life. But as many things are with those big moments, like it's there and then it's gone and not that it's gone gone but you know like the moment leaves mm-hmm. pretty quickly right and you're gonna like on to the next thing so it's fun to have moments like this where I can kind of relive it so thank you um yeah the whole thing was wild and it, it's so funny that it's so funny I it, that I feel like throughout not that you and I have I was gonna say throughout a relationship we don't have a relationship I just I know you on Instagram and I've been on your show a couple times and like we chit chat here and there but I feel like you've always popped up at these times when either right before or right after something really, really big and important to me happens. So it is funny, like you're very much associated with, with these moments. And then that first conversation that you and I had and I clipped it. Um, I want to, I want to say Dana, like I, I put it on my Instagram and I want to say Dana commented on it or either that or he sent it to me and it was like, this is badass. That's kind of his standard. Like this is badass because it was, I was reliving the first time I met him right. working in Invicta when I just sort of was like, Hey, I'm going to work for you one day. So yeah, it's crazy to have that. And then, you know, a few years later, obviously I worked for him, but then I had another time where I was just like, Hey, and I told him mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be the first female, which was ludicrous for mm-hmm. me to say at the time. It really right. was ludicrous. Um, and then it happened. Almost. I still feel like there's an asterisk. That's the problem. Well, we can talk about that yeah. after. Um, but I will say, and I don't know if you if you mind me sharing this. And if you don't, Share we'll away. Cut it, we'll cut it. But you did say, when you called me the day before, you had kind of told me about this, I don't want to say... Um, frustration but maybe like go thinking about am I ever gonna be that which I know is a huge goal for you yeah and how if I well remember almost word for what you told me on the phone was basically that like you had this moment I think flying to Vegas Mm -hmm. for that first contender series where you kind of like put your your hands or your head your head in your hands yeah and you're kind of like either a trying to manifest it or b just like down about the situation and then in, in reality, you kind of manifest. It's a real thing. And it's the craziest version of it. Because I'll be honest, like, I almost feel weird talking about it because I've watched the movie The Secret and all that stuff. And sometimes part of me is like, wow, this is amazing. This is sometimes I'm like, this is so I'm not gonna say dumb, but like, it just like, the, no, you know, like, but part of my brain is just like, that's no, that didn't happen like that. You know, the cynical part of me. So but I do definitely believe in the power of positive thinking um, and to whatever degree that edges toward, you know, the far ends of like, you know, you can just magically manifest stuff. I don't know, mm-hmm. but definitely the power of positive thinking and the power of gratitude, I think. So, yeah, I I was maybe frustrated, is not the word, disappointed. I was disappointed that. I wasn't going to be calling fights this season because that had been my near-term goal. I was like, okay, okay. if I can do the stuff on LFA mm-hmm. and kick it out and hit it out of the park, which I felt like I kind of mm-hmm. had, um, then it will just be a natural thing to be like, hey, I'm calling these guys fights here. How about you? You know. Did you did you expect a call? Um, I didn't expect. I was really wanting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a 
huge chasm between wanting and <laughs> yes. having sometimes, right? Um, and and again, like whenever I share these stories, it's not. I don't ever want to give give the impression that people, the people above me or around me at the UFC, weren't supportive of this. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's a big leap to take someone. They've never taken someone from a reporter role and transition them into yeah. an analyst slash commentating role. It's never been done, male or female. Well, also because... Except John Gooden, but he's a play-by-play, so it's different. Well, also because technically, like, your career with the UFC is... You started in... 20, it was 2015 or 2016, yeah. right? So it's also a very short time, and it's not like you were previously a, a broadcaster for yeah, 15 and years. Yeah, and it's... Exactly, exactly. So, yes, all of those things. Um, but that being said, you know, I'd been involved in every episode of the Contender Series, um, and so... To me, it was the most natural place to like do that mm-hmm. if they're ever going to do it. And it just in that moment, it felt like, well, this is just never going to happen because if it was going to happen, it was going to happen then. And so I packed my bags going to Las Vegas to be a reporter like I always am. And I love my job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love it very, very much. It's just not the end. Excuse me. It's just not the end all for me. But and I don't even know why I did it, to be honest with you. I was like, you know what? I'm going to pack a blazer just in case, mm. just in case. And the joke I've always told myself in my head, even in Abu Dhabi, I did that. I was like, well, you know, if if Paul Felder gets horrible diarrhea, you know, <laughs> I'm here, guys. <laughs> Not that I wish that on you, Paul. I don't know if you're having stomach issues these days. Not that I wish that on anybody, but I've always been like, you know, in a pinch, I could, I, you, you guys could shove me in there. Um, so, and again, not that I couldn't have worn what I was going to wear anyway as a commentator. But like, to me, it was always very important when I do that role to not look like a reporter who's all of a sudden standing next to her male cohorts looking like a reporter. So Mm. like kind of, it just has to be different, right? So you said, I'm bringing the blazer. So I'm bringing the blazer. And then the story I told you, I get on the plane and I don't know if, if you travel a whole lot, but when you do travel a lot, planes can be this really lonely place. That's interesting. And I think maybe well, it's because... Why is it lonely for you? Um, I think because I'm forced to sit still uh, for a long duration. And, you know, especially when if the Wi-Fi is not working. Oh, yeah. And then you're just like alone your with thoughts. your thoughts. Uh-oh. Um, which made me realize the story that no one knows about me. Um, uh, and so I just... But I didn't like all the negative talk that was going on in my head Mm. and there's this great youtube uh page that i follow called rising higher meditations i'm not sponsored by them i'm just saying i really like your page shout out to jess shepherd um and she's got this beautiful voice and sometimes i use it to fall asleep because it's so soothing but sometimes i use it to just kind of reframe my mind and i was like i just need to reframe my mind and just be thankful for what i have and like start this season off great so like pull my hoodie up put my ear pods in and I start this like 45 minute long she's got all sorts of different stuff this one's called like a guided meditation and it takes you through this whole process of not just breathing but like imagining the things you want uh and putting them in a box and like then the box disintegrates like it takes you through this whole wild LSD trip type. (laughs) I've never done drugs, but like it's very, um, you know, but she does such a good job of like describing what you're supposed to be thinking about that you really feel like you're there. So like you're in space and you're allowing your wants and desires to 
disintegrate and then like you go back down. It's a whole thing. And there, but there's a whole section in there where it's just like, you're supposed to focus on the things that you do have Mm. and the gratitude and like, not just like listing things in your head, but like feeling them in your heart. So like that feeling I get, I'm going to get choked at that feeling I get when my son says, I love you, mommy. Or like I have a moment with him or just the, the feeling I get coming to the amazing moments I've had in the UFC doing mm-hmm. what I already do, all that stuff. Really, really not just thinking about it, but feeling it. And then by the time I was done, I did. I felt a lot better. I was like, I'm going to do, we're have a great season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. Oh, <sighs> take a deep breath. And I look at my phone and there's a text from Dana. No. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. It was crazy. It was, it was right, it was right after that. Yes. Yes. I know. Now I I believe in all of it. Yeah. And like. What was the text? Are you in town? And I said, no, I'm still in the air right now. And he goes, okay, well, come see me when you land. And even then I'm like, okay, I don't want to get my hopes up. He could be firing me. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, it's fucked up to make make the trip to fire you. Yeah, I don't think so. But I mean, you never know. Like. Right, right. Um. Sometimes I sometimes I get a little loose lipped on the on the weigh in show, yeah. so I didn't know if you'd be like, "Hey, you've been a little, oh. you know, like we need to." Um, so I, I just I had no idea, right. you know, I, I had no idea, but I was hopeful. Yeah. And then you land. Okay, so then I land, and I'm like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" And so I tell my driver because he was initially going to take me to my hotel. Right. Um, and this is even funnier because I actually my schedule got kind of crisscrossed and I was supposed to be going to a production meeting. So I thought I was supposed to be going to the hotel. I'm telling my driver to take me to the headquarters. And meanwhile, um, the, the woman who kind of like mm. makes sure we're all doing the things we need to do. Love you, Deidre. Um, was like, Hey, you've got a meeting in like 15 minutes. And I was like, no, no, I have to meet Dana in like 15 yeah. minutes. And she's like, no, no, you have a meeting in 15 minutes with Zach, your boss. So, and then I'm like, well, I can't tell Dana. Yeah. Sorry, Dana, I messed up my yeah. schedule. Um, so it was a whole thing. But then I go to the headquarters and he's not ready for me. And mm. they're like, yeah, he's not picking up. I don't know. So I'm sitting in the lobby and I'm supposed to be at this other meeting. My boss calls me and I was like, hey, I'm really sorry. Um, Dana wanted to speak with me. And he's like, I know. Uh, but he can't see you now. So just come to the meeting. I was like, oh, okay. So immediately like my stomach drops. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, this isn't going to happen. And I'm walking out the door to go to this other meeting at another building. And he calls me back. He's like, never mind. He's ready for you. Go up. I was like, okay. So go up. And he's, his office? Yeah. He's sitting in his office, nice, which nice, is a really nice, nice office. office. I know you've seen it. <laughs> um, it. Yeah. I actually never saw his office. It's similar saw, to the yeah, one you saw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they're incredible. The upstairs at the Nicer headquarters. Nicer than most is, apartments you will ever see in your lifetime. It's gorgeous. Um, and he's just sitting there at like a like a conference table that he has in his desk just or him? in his yeah just him in his um in his office and i was then i got really nervous because like he wasn't he wasn't overly Smiling. warm no oh, it was sure. like this really intense he gets this really intense energy about him sometimes when he's like gonna deliver bad news and i was like oh no now he's telling me hey i just want to tell you in person this is not ever going to happen that's what i thought it was i thought he was like doing me the the kindness of hey i'm gonna meet with you but we've talked and like sorry like just put this dream away <laughs> um and so i sat down and he was just like hey uh so you know we met and um we just i just want you to know like 
everybody thinks you've been killing it. And and again, he's still not like smiling and like, hey, good to see, you know. <laughs> he's like, you know, everybody thinks you've been killing it. You know, you've done quick hits, you've done backstage reporting, you've done, you know, all these sit down interviews that we did, like all this stuff. And he goes, and, you know, do you want to call these fights tomorrow? And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> and I said, yes. Fuck yes, I do. Yes. He goes, no, no, hold on. He goes, I realize we're giving you like no time to prepare whatsoever. Um, so we can push it back off to next week if you want. I was like, no, no, no. no. I got this. <laughs> I got this. I got this. So yeah, that was, it was very last minute, very didn't, wasn't happening until it did. It probably felt almost like a main character movie moment for you. It did. No? Yes. It felt very. And also the sequence of events is insane. It's super insane. And then the other little things that have happened along the way to make that, to make me have the confidence in that moment to be like, oh no, yes, I can. Because rewind to January when the LFA opportunity came about, mm. that was very last minute as well. And there was a whole, that's a whole other story, a whole other story that was wild in and of itself where like I really kind of had to do some stuff I never, that are really outside of my personality to do. You want sharing? I mean, I can. Do we have time? We, we have plenty of time. Okay. All right. So um, when Pat Militich left LFA and he did, he, I, I don't want to try to explain the whole situation, but it was less intense than I think people took on the internet. For people that are not familiar. Yeah. Sorry. Very, very briefly. Yeah. I'm, so, honestly, I'm not even. No, familiar. no. Okay. So Pat Militich is a legend of MMA, right. an absolute legend. Yes. And he has been the color analyst for LFA for a very long time, okay. beloved by many as he should be. Um, something happened uh, with him and his expressing his political beliefs, I believe, online. And uh, it was a thing. They didn't fire him, though. It was like a mutual, hey, like, let's just let's just have you take a break mm-hmm. for a minute, you know, until we kind of both you decide and we decide, like, what's what's cool. Like, we love you, but whatever. So they very quickly needed someone to fill that spot. The LFA is like, right you know it's the feeder league to the ufc and not only for fighters but for broadcasters as well and when i saw that on instagram i was like oh man who do i know i don't know anybody at the lfa like but i would love to reach out and say hey like Mm -hmm. this is i've been doing this for invicta um and i so i contacted someone i knew that knew someone and ed Sora is the guy who uh, uh, runs the lfa calls me the next day and he's like hey we hear you know you're available we'd love to love to have you do this i was like oh my gosh this is amazing um but you know it's like tomorrow you know you're gonna miss the fighter meetings and yada 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 yeah so i was like no it's fine i'll make it work i'll make it work um so i drove to wichita how far is that from where you're it's like three and a half hours and totally not safe to do this but i was sort of watching fights as i was driving <laughs> um more listening than <laughs> listen, watching listen. listening um try just trying to like study as much as i could and about 45 minutes out of wichita i get a call from ed he's like so um we're still really excited to have you but there might be some adjustments to your role like uh I don't want you to worry about it, but like, and it's going to be cool, but, um, this is, you know, we're just, you know, we're like, see the pants here, you know, whatever. And 
Alan Joban was also going to call the mm. fights. So it was going to be the both of us. Um, what I didn't know was that Alan had gotten that spot like weeks ago. And so he had been there throughout the fight week and done the fighter meetings and all the things. No one had told him or the producer, which is an important person to keep in the loop, that they were bringing me in. I didn't know that. <laughs> so he sees you like, they didn't the know that. Yes. So, like, finally, this had been communicated. And the producer's like, no, we can't just randomly add, which I totally understand, we can't just randomly add someone to the broadcast. Like, I don't, I've never worked like a way I don't know. And I think part of it, too, was just, like, everything felt very shaky from, from Pat leaving. Like, things were not going smoothly for them. It was a whole big thing. So I get there, and I just get this text, like, hey, come to the conference room, and we'll just we'll talk, and we'll figure this out. So I, I walk into this conference room, and there's, like, eight guys I've never met before. Um, Alan, who I don't know that well at the time. I met him, like, one time. And... Ed and whatever and then they literally proceed to go around the room and all basically like say why they don't think I should be part of the broadcast no. and <laughs> and it was it was so awkward and so um so this is after you drove you're like yeah and they're like but hey uh they're trying to be nice about it yeah they're trying to be nice about it they're like we just don't have an extra headset and like maybe you can like maybe you can call some of the Facebook fights and I'm not, I'm genuinely not, I've never been in a position to be like, oh, I'm too good for that. I've never had that attitude. I think that's a shitty attitude to have. But I also like have recently started to be like, okay, know your worth, Laura, yeah. know your worth, you know? And they're like, we could have you do a report about all the Hawaiian fighters on the car. And I was like, oh, this is not what I, not what I signed up for. So I just sort of like listened and took it all in and sat through the meeting and then when the meeting was over, I pulled the producer and Ed aside and I was like, hey, no hard feelings. I know you guys are like really going through some turmoil right now. Um, I'm going to go home because the job that you're describing, I already have on ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. like, I'm good. Yeah. You're good. We're good. No problem. But I'm going to. I'm going to skedaddle. Like, no, wait. And then they're like, no, but we can. So I won't make this story a gazillion times longer. But um, needless to say, it happened by the end of it. Literally, everyone was like, we are so sorry. Like, we had no idea. And I'm not, this is their words. I'm like, we had no idea you were that good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we really, really we really apologize. Like literally all of them separately were like, we are so embarrassed that that's how that happened. But, and it's just out of, it's out of my personality <laughs> to like, normally I'm the, okay, yeah, I'll just do, yeah, I'll do that, whatever, though. you know, I'm here. But I don't know, it just, it felt like I had to do it. So point being, I did that last minute. And then, so I knew I could do this right. last minute. It's just the way that things um, in life weave themselves together when you're paying attention mm -hmm. and when you're being intentional about the things you want and why you want them right. it's not just what you but why you want it and what what meaning is that going to bring to you ultimately mm -hmm. um when you're aware of those things i think you pick up on the the threads as they're as they're being woven right, right? it's just hard to not see the end beautiful 
blanket or rug or whatever we're weaving here. Well, I think also you did everything you could for four or five years to put yourself in the best positions yeah. as possible. And like, I didn't know you until last year, whenever you did my show for the first time, but I watched the UFC religiously. Like you can tell when you're working, it is just true professionalism. And I'm not saying that's a flattery. I'm not saying that's a, to stroke your ego. It's like, you could tell, you can tell, like there's, le- there's the professionals and then there's levels like, you know, to everything. And yeah. then you can tell when someone is just like, there are no weaknesses to your game. I mean, we're cool. Call it your game in that sense, yeah. you know, and there's ways that you can improve, of course. Yeah. Cause, and you'll probably be the first one to say that. I was going to say, everyone yeah, can, everyone are. can. Right. <laughs> but like, they're at least not apparent on, on television. And I think that like, you know, being on MMA Twitter, which is a wild place. Yeah. You are universally loved by, I mean, you're going to get the hate because everybody does yeah. like occasionally, but like I would be willing to, to wager if someone did a study of MMA Twitter, you are probably one of it's the wild. most loved of the MMA figures. And I think that it's not because of X, Y, and Z reason. I don't know why. I, well, I think <laughs> to it's, be honest well, I think, with you, I don't well, why. I mean, call a spade a spade. It's like, <laughs> you're very good at your job. Thank period. you. And, um, and you're humble, so you won't say it like that. But, uh, but I think that what was beautiful for me to see is not only you kind of talk about that in that moment when you did on my show, but it was also just to see it happen mm-hmm. and to see you not just like like walk into that moment on that night, that first contender night. Yeah. Like I'll for people to understand who weren't there, because especially contender series is a it's a weird thing to be present for because you hear nothing. Yeah. Especially at the apex, it is silent. We don't hear. The walk there's I don't even think there's walkout music. There's no walkout no, music. No. Um you don't hear the the commentators because you guys are in a different room. Yeah. It is pitch silent when when these fighters walk in. I and I was I was like nervous for them and I didn't even I have yeah. no and then you are that night you're on twenty four hour notice in doing commentary. Yeah. Then you see which is hilarious, like you see you come from like the end running in your heels. Yeah. I don't even know how you don't fall. And you have to call and you're like giving the announce uh, the announcement of the fight, which thank God they relieved you of I that know. opportunity. I'm so excited. Um and then you sprint out of the octagon, and the worst is when there's like a there's like a weird decision that night too, where there's like an eye poke and like oh, it was, it was horrible. stopped that yeah. first in the third round. That's a whole other thing. And then you're like confused with that, and then you're going from there to the interview. <laughs> and I honestly, I was just sitting there like very casual. I was like, wow, so this much. looks awful. It was so much. But like people, but like it felt, you know. And I was just looking at it from afar, but it was just kind of awesome to see you like you're just like in your moment, and it was like your moment, and um. I'm just happy that they relieved you of that of that announcing. The I am too. I'm too. I never wanted to be that doing was that. Nuts. I just sort of randomly they randomly made me start doing it the second year of con- or I think it was the first year. I mean, probably. it's cool to hear you, but like you need. Oh, I didn't want to do time. it. No, I don't. I don't want to be a ring yeah. announcer. I've never wanted to be a ring announcer. I have. That's kind of why I never like. I don't want to say I never tried, but right. people are like, God, it sounds like she's just reading off a card. I am. Yeah. I was just reading off a card. I'm not going to try to be a whole you know be fancy with it that's not my thing um yeah it was it was a lot i'm glad that's off the table but it it that's what i mean about you know the moments with the lfa and also with invicta i did mm-hmm. i first time i did color for invicta i'd done play by play before that was on the morning of the fights six hours notice so having these opportunities and that was a scary one too because i know that the ufc producers will at times watch they don't watch a full invicta show but when fighters come from invicta and end up in the ufc they watch that footage and they hear those you know announcers so i can't i can't sound dumb and i can't Mm -hmm. sound like i don't know what i'm talking about but it it was again it was another thing i was like no no laura you know like you know the sport you know you you 
very kindly compliment my broadcasting skills. Mm. I'm still really insecure in a lot of ways about my broadcasting skills. When you analyze yourself, where do you where do you see the places you get better? I'm curious. A million of them because I didn't I didn't go to school. Top three three things that you like actively (sighs) feel like you try to. Um. Just you know, I think. So there's almost like a division of roles in, at least in UFC broadcasting. Okay. There's analyst, color commentator. That's really the main buckets over there. Right. Analyst, color And those are the people that have fought, that have to have had actual fight experience, mm-hmm. that are breaking down the fights, that are providing the color commentary, all that type of stuff. And then there are hosts and play-by-play and reporters, and that's kind of the big buckets over there. And you don't have to have had fight experience mm-hmm. in those buckets. And that's the bucket I had been living in. So compared to those folks, I don't always ask the most wonderfully worded questions. Sometimes, like I remember when I was early in my UFC career, like I've always known MMA, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I even stumbled into this role. Right. Um, but I would like break down an entire sequence and then not know how to turn it into a question. I'm like, yeah, when you landed that left hook and then you hit the switch and da, 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 da. And then my brain's like, but how is this a question, yeah. Laura? <laughs> Ask him a question, you yeah. know? So I still, you know, the the subtle, like the way that John Anik can transition from topic to topic is just like art. I'm serious. If you've ever tried to do something like that, and I have done play-by-play a handful of times, it is so, so difficult. Yeah. And he makes it look so easy. So it's just stuff like that, transitions, tosses, the, the the real broadcast nuance stuff. I'm still, you know, to some degree still learning, but fighting, I've I've known fighting forever. And I think it's always interesting, you know, even when you said earlier, um, there's a little asterisk again yeah. on the uh, <laughs> color commentator. Now, you and I have had a few conversations, but I think that... Um, It is clear to many UFC fans that one day we will definitely see you. I believe I'm going to I'm going to manifest <laughs> <Thank> it. <you. laughs> I'm going to manifest it that one day we'll see you in that commentary position for a fight night, pay-per-view, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, for you, is that. How do I say this the right way? We've talked about being kind of open or like being open about it on social media and like yeah. making your voice heard. This I haven't asked you. Do you feel that that has helped um, that cause more or less? And do you feel like because at the same time it's you being authentic? Yeah, I think. I mean, it's a fine line, right? Like I don't want to be whiny, and I don't want to be. Um, I don't want to ever act like I deserve something that I don't deserve. Right. Those people rub me the wrong way. Um, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions, too, about why I got this role, how I got this role, like how long I've been trying to get this role. Yeah. Um, because people see various people on the broadcast. But again, it goes back to those those buckets, like mm-hmm. being able being an excellent uh, reporter or horse host or all those things that, frankly, I, I'm not. I'm good enough at like I'm good at, but I'm not I'm not I'm not ever going to say I'm the best at that. Uh, it's it's just different. It's a completely different skill set mm-hmm. than being able to talk about how someone should be getting out of an omoplata. Like right. if you've never been in an omoplata. You don't know how to get out of one or you don't know how to visually see when one is coming. That's obviously a very sp- specific example. Um, 
all of that to say, I think now it's just, it's helpful. It's like heartwarming, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest, um, to have a lot of people on Twitter saying it for me. You get, a, I mean, you get a lot. Yeah, I do. And I don't, again, like I kind of, I was, <laughs> I was nervous after the first LFA one because mm-hmm. it was the first time I had branched out from Invicta. Right. And I was like, oh, are people going to like this? I don't know. And then really nervous after the first Contender Series because mm-hmm. that's a, an even more broad audience. But, you know, if we're talking about the future, if I'm being honest, I'm nervous again for when that happens because that's an even more broad audience. I think that the the LFA Invicta uh, Contender Series audience knows me really well. Yeah. From that Fight Pass slash ESPN Plus world, you know, the the fight nights you start broadening up. But man, I... The hardcores watch the Contender Series. They so they're do. watching the fight nights and the pay-per-views They do. Too. And I'm telling you, like, I, I've been... I'll just be honest. I've been blown away and overwhelmed by the feedback because I do, I, I, I do, I go on and yeah. I type my name in because I want to see, I just want to see what people are saying. Like right. I'm fascinated to that's, know. That's, I mean, you're taking that risk. Now, granted, people say a lot of great things, but searching your name on Twitter. Oh, it's so uh, scary. Whew. It's so scary. But I've been so yeah. pleasantly right. surprised by the number of people. In fact, just last night, like I had a lady um, send me a message on Instagram randomly uh, she's like, you know, I, I, I train jujitsu and kickboxing with a group of women and we are all so inspired by, you know, what you're doing. And I never, I never really set out to be an inspiration. Interesting. Why, why it did became you? that along the way. But if I'm being perfectly honest, when I first wanted to do this, it was more about me mm. and I but sound like you? an asshole saying but that. What about, what about, but was it to, because you wanted to prove it to yourself? Yeah. That you could do it. Yeah. Like my whole life has been like that. I've always been like that. I grew up with an older brother and I was always like the little girl tagging along with these six boys that were four years older than her, which when you're little is like a massive age difference, of course. And so I was always trying to keep up and like prove that I could. You know, I could bike, I could keep up on my bicycle or I could, you know, whatever the case may be, like I can hang all the way through high school. Same thing. Even when he went away to college, like I would go drive up to Michigan and visit him and like just be one of the guys. My whole life has been like that. Um, You know, like I remember just, I just never wanted to be judged by the fact that I was a girl or what I looked Mm -hmm. like or, or any of those things. I just wanted to prove that I could be one of the guys i think at one point i even told my mom i wanted to be a guy (laughs) (laughs) um so it's just funny how that's kind of literally carried into my my um my adult life what do you do it for now which part where's the drive to like because someone right and you're 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 a highly highly motivated person i will say that with Mm -hmm. confidence so your goals are always like once you get one thing, it's like, oh, well, it's next, what's next, what's next. That's what I mean about the moment being gone so soon. I'm like, right, okay, what's next? You know, and yeah, but it's like somebody could objectively look at your career and be like, holy fuck, like that. I would dream to have that career yeah. for you. You've got even bigger dreams. I do. But for like at this point in time, where do you get that motivation for those bigger dreams? I'm always going to I'm I'm always going to be someone who has just that inward motivation to do more, more, more. That is just programmed in my DNA, I you've guess. You've always been like that? I've always been like that. I was always an A-type. Like, I made straight A's in high school. I was 
summa cum laude in college. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. But why is it? Is it was it? And in that for in, in those moments was it? You know, because of your family was it? Because, because I knew I could. Because you knew you could. Yeah, like I knew I could be. Like I was, I was top five, not top five percent, but top five people graduating in college. Like yeah. I just, I knew I was capable of it. So why not? Like um, when I played piano, like I was like, oh, I should, I should just get good enough to get a full ride scholarship. Mm -hmm. Did it, you know? I, and it's not I, that sounds so cocky, I guess, no. but I don't know. Like I'm pretty good at. This is such a lame. This will be the tidbit that you clip. Okay. Here we go. I'm pretty good at getting good at stuff. Hey, <laughs> Look, just, Shakespeare wrote that. Yeah, he sure did. He sure did. Laura Stanko says she's pretty good at getting good at stuff. Uh, no, I just I want to be the best at whatever I do. That's what it comes down to. And but but my point earlier, and I'm glad you kind of helped me bring it back to that. It started out as there's just that like a type drive of like, no, I know I can do it and then I can do more and I can do better. But then it really didn't take long for me to start to get, and it really has, it's been a lot of the social media messages mm -hmm. and just people around me like, wow, this is really cool. You've, you know, you're inspiring me. And the first time I heard that word, I almost wanted to laugh. Like I'm not, nothing, I don't see, I just don't right. see myself as, as any sort of inspiration, but especially over this last year, like the messages I'll get mm -hmm. from dads who watch the UFC and you know, like, hey, you were on, you were calling the fights and my daughter walked in the room and she's like, who's that? And, we, and it started a conversation for us awesome. about, hey, you know, you can do what you want to do too. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you don't have to just take these paths because they are, you know, easier for women or less easy for women. And that's a whole other topic too, because yeah. like I never wanted to get I never wanted to get the the job because I was a woman. Mm -hmm. And I still don't feel like that's, I still feel that way. Like, but what I kind of sort of like started to realize is that part of the, the job necessitated being a woman because mm -hmm. that's part of what was missing and has mm -hmm. been missing right. in the UFC voice is, is telling the story of women's MMA from the perspective of someone who has lived it for a very long time. Now, mm -hmm. while I haven't fought in the UFC, I've been training since 2006 and like have been, you know, across the country in different gyms and like just the, the journey of what it's like to be a woman in MMA, I can definitely speak to. So given that that's part of the job description, I guess it's okay. <laughs> well, can I, can I tell you what, why I think also you don't, you have, you say that there's that asterisk and that, um, you know, and to, I guess to hope that you'll be doing a pay-per-view one day. Mm. It's exactly what you said. It's because you know you can. Yeah. I do know I can. You know, yeah. I mean, you know you can. And that's yeah. and anybody that knows you for two seconds knows that you are as humble as they come, but that's just, like, you're... you're I was telling Josh this actually earlier before you walked in. I was like, I... Where I admire you, regardless of the, the accolades, is as a person, I think, if I were to show someone what it looks like to be humble and confident, I genuinely... I would I would look at you because oh, I you. think that like not a single moment at least that I've spoken to you um where like you you know your skills and you know what you're good at mm. um but it never comes across as arrogant and I think that you know this is a great situation it's like you know that you know you could do that yeah and you will and we will look back at this clip <laughs> the same way we looked at back at the other clip yeah. um 
in uh, in February. Uh, we'll look back at this clip when when that day happens. But um, you know, it's uh, it must it must be it must be hard for you to like. I know you don't have a lot of time to take it in. So I hope like moments like this, you're able to kind of appreciate no the moments, work in the past, yeah, the moments, path that you've taken. Moments like this do help. Um, and it is crazy because in reality, the fact is like, and actually this is, I had this moment with uh, Bisping the other night because after the last show, uh, we grabbed a bite to eat and oddly enough, Davy Grant was there also. But anyway. Um, shout out Davy Grant. Shout out Davy Grant. <laughs> um, we were, we were, there's like a sushi spot right across the street from the hotel and we were, we were talking and, you know, he, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to wrap my mind around because so like on, at, at one time, I should say at the same time, like, I feel like he and I are just like buddies. Mm-hmm. We're, we're guy friends, whatever, you know? But then there's like part of my mind that remembers watching him yeah. on the ultimate fighter yeah. at home or in my dorm, or no, I guess I graduated at that point, but like, and just being a fan at home, mm-hmm. like all of the people who watch the, like I'm one of them. I think right. that's why, I don't know, I think that's 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 what I wanna carry. If I do ever make it to, when I make it to calling a pay-per-view, that's the voice I wanna have. It's like, it's the same thing that I think that Joe Rogan does such an amazing job of providing on the UFC broadcast. Obviously, I'm not comparing myself to Joe, but like, he speaks with the voice of a fan. Right. And that's what I am, ultimately. Yeah. It was I started out as a fan of the sport, then I started training, then I started mm-hmm. fighting, then I started talking, and then I mm-hmm. started calling fight. You know, like, that's just this journey. But the reality is, like, I was just a person at home on my couch, like millions of other people. I just worked my ass off yep. to get here and had to push in a lot of, a lot of doors to do it, so... And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. At uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves. And now they've introduced a subscription food delivery service and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest-to-goodness food without the junk. U.S. Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. For you, do you measure that success based on the opportunities that present yourself? Like, how do you personally measure where you're at or your success? Mm. That's a good question. And it's something that I struggle with Mm -hmm. because what you were saying earlier, I do have this tendency to like, okay, what's next? What's next? More, more, more. Better, better, better. Um, I think ultimately, and I may have said this before, but I think ultimately I just, I really want to be a well-known, but more importantly, well-respected voice in the sport. Um, whatever shape that takes and i hope that it takes shape in the but form could, of couldn't someone argue you already that someone else said that to me i don't i don't i would make if someone <laughs> said present the argument i can make it i i'm getting there i feel like i'm getting there um i would i would like to continue to grow in that and um you know I, i'm i'm very television is such a weird thing it's something i never thought i would be doing and 
then you mix it with social media and it's just an extra weird thing. Um, I, like, this is going to sound weird. I, I want to be, I want to be the smart girl. Like, I don't want to be the pretty girl. Right. I don't mind being both occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm well aware, like, one of those things goes away over time. That's just, that happens to all of us. It's happening to me as we speak. <laughs> but no, like, no, but yeah. you, you, being a woman in television is weird. And again, it's not something I grew up anticipating. So it's it's been weird to adjust to it. Um, but I want to have, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I want to have the type of career and the type of respect that will carry me into my 60s and still be on television you know mm -hmm. like i want to be barbara walters yeah. still you know still getting out there and having people go oh barbara's on like we got to listen up to what she has to say and not just like oh the hot girl's on television i don't i don't i don't want that i want to be the, the smart girl how will you like is there something that you're looking for where you will then be like oh i am a well-respected voice or people know me now as the um, smart girl because you might always be searching for this. I might always be searching for this. I don't this. know if there's a moment that you could anticipate where you would get that feeling. You know, I picture, I do, you know, back to the manifestation thing. There are certain things I that just naturally, I don't even, I don't create them in my mind. They just insert themselves in my mind. They're just there as soon as I start thinking about something. And when I picture myself, like, calling a pay-per-view and looking to my left and seeing John Anik or, you know, looking to my left and seeing, you know, DC or Rogan or whoever it is, Paul Bisping, like the the people, Adam, the people I work, I just haven't worked with Dom yet. Mm -hmm. um, that's like, that's what I see. And I, I think I will get it then. But I don't know. But but like what I was trying to say earlier, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking in circles here. Um, the After the show and when I was talking with Bisping, I was I was telling him that, that thing about how, you know, I both I'm super comfortable with you. It's not like I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in the presence of greatness. But every once in a while, my brain goes, yeah. oh, my God, I'm in the pre like this is Michael Bisping, right? Former like Former middleweight champion of the world. Not only that, like he's he's transcended he's more, he's more than, that, more than just being a champion, you know, and he. I was a little bit nervous about having this role next to him, if I'm right. being honest. He is amazing and he and I are tight. But like, there's certain guys where I'm just like, I don't know if he's gonna respect my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and I'd never wanted to be, I've always been a big believer that especially women in situations like this, you cannot march into a room and stomp your foot and say, respect me, because I'm here. You know, like you walk in the room like anybody else does, you start making conversation, that respect comes over time because you earn it. So I never wanted to be like, hey, Michael, when we're on the broadcast, right. I'm going to need you to agree with me when I say something, right. you know, I didn't want it to happen like that. And after that show, we were kind of talking with Davey about like this whole thing happening because they had actually interviewed him about like a little documentary piece they're doing on me having this new role. Huh. I didn't know they were going to interview him. That's and awesome. he jokingly, he was like, oh, my God, I just had to spend the last... 15 minutes saying how amazing you are you know whatever and i was like oh really do tell michael to tell <laughs> and he said no but seriously he said he said um he said it's just it's clear that you really you really know your shit and he said i i genuinely am happy that you're doing it i think you deserve it mm -hmm. you deserve to be here and 
I'm glad it was you, meaning mm-hmm. like the first whatever. He's like, I'm, I'm glad it was you. So like to have, holy shit, Michael Bisping right. say, you know what you're talking about. You deserve right. to be here. Moments like that do feed that like, I don't know if it's an insecurity I have, mm-hmm. I guess, a need for approval that maybe all of us have to some degree. Maybe I just have it more. <laughs> I don't I think know. everybody does. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, well, even that, it's like, I think that's in a way so humanizing because people look at you and now people look at you as an inspiration, even though you never thought that that would be the case. Yeah. But even you, who people look at every week on ESPN Plus or whatever it is, like even feeling that need of some, whether it's validation or approval from those people, I think any human being with a pulse can relate to that, you know? And I think that it's, I think it's equally important for people to hear you say that and verbalize it because someone hopefully listening to this right now uh, in a different context probably feels the exact same way about their career. Yeah. You know? It is. It's a very, I mean, it's a natural thing to want to be, to want to be liked, to want to be of course. respected. And I, I definitely have a very, that's a big part of my personality. I'm very much like a people pleaser. I just, I like people in general and I, and I like to be liked in return. So that can be, it can be an asset. It can also be really t- difficult. And, you know, television is kind of a a tough game sometimes in that way. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy and I'm grateful and I'm really, really, I feel blessed. And anytime, anytime I start to get any amount of, like, frustration or um, I just, I want things to happen mm-hmm. fast. I always have. I just go back to that, like, place of gratitude and reminding myself and just again moments like this where I'm like wait a second you know not that long ago I was just watching this stuff on tv and had never done any of these things before like what 10 when when were you in working in bc was it 10 years ago yeah so I was yeah so I was a completely different career I think I you can probably say I changed careers seven years ago yeah well yeah that's insane think about that yeah well your son is seven so it's like yes. only his, and he's a young boy. Yeah. So like exactly. even in that amount of time, it's like, yeah, went from not having a kid in venture capital to <laughs> having a son and a family and working all these things that I'm sure at one point you never thought would happen. Agree. Yes. Yeah. And I just have to. I don't know. I probably need to figure out some way to memorialize it or write it down or, or something right. so that I, something physical I can look at. That will be a trigger for me to just, okay, slow your roll, <laughs> you know, just be grateful for, be simultaneously grateful and driven. You know, you can be both and it, that's a struggle for me at times, but, but finding that ability to be grateful for what you have while also being hungry for the next thing is, is what I need. And has, you know, does that time spent with your family afterwards? I don't know if it changed anything or I, I think, I think you'd posted something where, um, your son had like made a drawing for you yeah. after you got that. Those moments must also, you know, I mean, balance because people don't see how you balance work and being a mom. And you're not yeah. like a mom of a 20 year old who's in college who yeah. can figure their shit out on their own. Like you're, you know, he's seven years old, so he still needs his mom. Yeah. I mean, the biggest, the, the biggest help in that is a of all things, my husband and then B, we have a fantastic nanny who helps as well. But yes, on, a, on an emotional level, this week is a perfect example. Uh, I was super stressed out because Brooke had to be home from school this week. Right. 
and all, my nanny also couldn't work this week. Oh. And my husband, it's not like he has a normal job. He runs a company that is doing like major, major business deals right now. And things are really tough in that industry, in the automobile industry at the moment. Like a lot of crazy things happening because of China. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, so he's literally at home on the phone all day long putting out fires. And I'm like, hey, um, could you just also homeschool our child for a full week with no help whatsoever while you run your company while I yeah. just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, gonna be go in New York. I'm just gonna go watch some fights in New York. <laughs> so uh, the support, I mean, it's just yeah. a fact. Like I could not be doing this without him and without our nanny Rose. But the, uh, to have my son say, like I was really stressed out about it and I was this close to calling the UFC and be like, guys, I can't, yeah. I can't come this week. Um, because this is like, this is not good. Uh, my son literally like pulled me aside. He goes, come here. Because I was starting to like freak out and I was tearing up. And he pulled me upstairs and he sat me down on the bed. He was like such a little adult. So- he goes, he goes, he goes, what's going on? Tell me what you're stressed out That's about. That's adorable. I know. Because it's the same way that we talk to him right. when he's freaking out about stuff. And I just told him. And I said, well, buddy, I don't want you to worry about it. I'm just, you know, it'll be fine. And he's like, I can tell you. I was trying to be the adult, right? And he's like, no, no, I got, I'm going to be the adult. I got this. And he's like, mom, you need to go. Dad and I will be fine. I will be good. I'll get all my work done. You need to go. You can't, he goes, you can't start something and not finish it. I was like, you're right. So that helps. But at least you had to spend a little Halloween with him. Yeah. And speaking of, we have a little video. Oh, great. Um, to show your Halloween great. costume for the individuals. out there. I'll let you put on that. that, that. The, oh, the good. For this so we can listen to it. Because so people that don't follow you, that don't want to follow you after this. Do I get to sing? Uh, you can. You can probably sing if you want to. Okay. But let's 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 look at this for a mm. quick second. Wow, who's that? That's uh, that's you. Can- hey, I'm a just island boy. I'm just island boy. You hearing yours? So now we have a little surprise for you. Um, for, for you and Burke. Oh God. Hey, let's Laurel let's roll that. Stop. We just want to send you love and tell you that you had an amazing holiday. Oh my God! Just like, like us. us. Bert, your mom is a star and, and a real Adam boy like us. We are the Adam boys just trying to make it. I'm an island boy. I'm going to keep it like an island boy. I'm going to sing it like an Iwaguan. Tell them boys they got to keep that gun. I'm going to do it while I'm staring at the sun. I'm really at the sun. Some days in the pool where I'm really staying. They changed it. Super Saiyan. All right, man. We love you guys. Oh, my God. How did you do that? Shout out to Cameo for that. (laughs) Come on. A little personalized thing for Lauren Burke from the the island boys themselves. I knew I could could get you with that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because I saw your costume. Hold on. We got Laura on Monday or Tuesday or Thursday. I don't know why I'm so... (laughs) I'm so happy about that. <laughs> and I can, send, I can send it to you if you want to send it yes, to me. Yes, yeah. you have to uh, send it to it. me. Holy <laughs> shit. That is hilarious. Oh. oh, my God. Bless their hearts. They're probably raking it in. Oh, my God. Accidentally. You don't even, you don't even imagine. And with you know their, what? With their, with, you know what? Shout out to... Go exactly. make your dollars. Go make your dollars. Capitalize you know on the moment because it won't last forever. Exactly. And go make as much money as possible. But I was so happy that I could... And my favorite is if you listen to it back... You'll see the way they say, like, Burke at the end. Wait, will yes. you show it one more time? I gotta listen Just to listen. this. Oh, they, my they, they, like, say, like, Laura and Burke. And they're like... Cause they, <laughs> Burke. Because, <laughs> hold on. Holy shit. 
Go back to yeah, yeah. There you go. Carl Ampert, it's your favorite <laughs> island boys. We just want to send you love and tell you that you had an and amazing Burke Halloween is good too. costume just, just, just like, like us. us. Burke, your mom is a star, star and, and a real island boy like us. <laughs> we are the island boys just trying to make it. Hey, we got something for you. I'm an island boy. I'm going to keep it like an island boy. I'm going to see you like an Aguaguan. Tell them boys they got to keep that gun. I'm going to do it while staring at the sun. I'm going to really have to sun gazing in the pool where I'm really staying. I'll pull it like I'm super saiyan. All right, man. We love you guys. All right, Laura and Burke. Okay, and Burke. And Burke. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Woo. That might be one of the greatest moments of my life right I, there. That I is am, so funny. I was like, hold on. Wait a minute. I have to do this. Did, you, did they actually see my costume? I so, wonder? yes. So, this is the thing, too, is you can send them a video. Now, I didn't know how Cameo does it. I thought, like, they, I had my producer before do yeah. this to put it together. But I, I thought you, so you can send them a video of what they're looking at. So that's why they kind of smile. I think they had seen your, like they actually saw it because they're like upload a video so they yeah. see. And so, <laughs> so, so the island boys are like, oh wow, that's actually a pretty good costume. <laughs> oh my God. That was so good. So fantastic. You have to send it to uh, Thank you. Of course. It that was, might it be was, one of the I best was, presents. You know, I don't, I don't, it's funny because I don't usually put things on the monitor like yeah. that. But I was like, hold on, Josh, I have this thing that you have to put up. And I had my, my, my producer do it this morning to make that little collage or whatever. The effort. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> that literally, that has made, <laughs> I can't wait to share that. But honestly, like, because especially, because you went in on that. I mean, you have the Under Armour, like. Oh, yeah. You're I sagging bought, the pants. You got the grill. You that's got what the, I was. I was trying to like when I pull the camera. I'm like, I'm just trying to. Yeah. Someone's like, try, stop trying to show your tits. I was trying to show the fact that I had the exact same pants you, on. And you were like sagging them. Yes, and the way I they had the same them. bull shorts. I bought the underwear. You had the grill. I had the grill. Now, now I wish I'd actually like I had planned on doing the whole, but the whole, like that's oh, a lot of drawing, lot. and I it was cold. So I knew I'd be like wearing the the hoodie once we started walking anyway. So I, so I kind of just left it as the neck and. Felix, Felix, we got you there. Where is this going? I don't, I, mean, I don't know. My <laughs> the gosh, island boys. That was amazing. That was amazing. I'm wow. Ha I'm happy that we got that done for you. I'm happy you got it done. Because we're gonna, for I'm me. gonna clip that, and that'll be. Uh, I can, well, I can, I can confidently say that you've never had that on another podcast. I've never had that on. And another I, podcast. And, I'll, and I'll be, and I'll, I'll go on a limb and say I don't know if you ever will. Because unless you sure do the island not. boys next year, well, no, we'll no. figure something out. Yeah, that there'll be another dude. That was absolutely <laughs> Maybe that can be the thing that I look at and find gratitude. <laughs> this some this is the sum this is the summation looking, of my when journey. I, when I saw you post that, first of all, I thought it was hilarious because I'm like, Laura Sample <laughs> as an island boy. Like, especially when you look at these videos, these island boys, and all props to them, they are doing they're doing thing. their thing. They are doing their thing. I think nobody should hate on them. But they're obviously special individuals. Yeah. They don't look like a lot no. of us. And um and when I saw you dress up, like, here's, you know, Christian conservative Laura Sanko from the Midwest <laughs> with her grill. I'm like, hold on, hold on, something. We got to do something. Oh, here. yeah. It was, it was funny I because... I think you got mom of the year for that. I mean... I think you have to. I, I'm going to... You I'm know gonna, not, a lot of moms that dress up as island boys for Halloween? I don't know any. Uh, exactly. I, I know one. Exactly. She's got two thumbs. <laughs> She's right here. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. I'm happy that we did that. I'm, I'm happy so we got a nice live that reaction to that too. <laughs> oh my God. That was a little smooth transition too. You saw it, Josh? <laughs> What's funny is like, I've seen that video, the initial, the, their original video. I've seen it so many so times. Catchy. Like I can sing. It's so catchy. 
sketchy. It's it isn't it? No, it's not. It's not even like no disrespect. It's not that great of a song. It's not at all. But no it's disrespect. so catchy. But it's so catchy, and that's what everyone says to me. Like when I posted that, everybody's like, "Fuck you!" That's gonna be and, stuck <laughs> in my head all day now. And Ariel's a big proponent of it. I know. Shout out to Ariel. Like I love that he uh, and Verna Jandaroba yeah, walking he, out to put, it. He put Verna's um, what's it called? Like a, a picture of Verna in his studio. Because, yes. Uh, I mean, but that was legendary, especially especially Verna's vibe and when she's dancing like that. Now, unfortunately, she lost the fight, but that was just awesome. It was the she's last person you would expect <laughs> is Verna Jandaroba. To a even know what the other boys are, and then B have the cojones yeah, to know. be like, "Hey, UFC, this is what I want to walk out to." Did you see that Petrosky? He tried to get that song, but they said, "Hold on, wait a no, minute. No, it's already it's already booked up for Verna already. She wow. got it first. Good girl. You, I don't think you can have two same the same walkout song. I don't song. think I knew that, but that makes sense. You wouldn't want to hear the same song twice. First come, first serve. That's incredible. Wow. Goddamn. Just really hits me right here. In the <laughs> well, heart. I'll send it to you so you can thank you. send it after. I mean, we'll get this episode out in a week or two. But thank you. Whew. That was fantastic. And now we're just going to take another quick break because I am super excited to announce that I have once again partnered up with Eat Clean Bro. As many of you longtime listeners know, I've been a fan of and worked with Eat Clean Bro in the past, and they are, in my opinion, the best freshly prepped meal company out there today. If you are someone like myself who perhaps isn't the best cook or has long work days and no desire to put together a meal, but wants to keep a healthy and balanced diet, Eat Clean Bro is absolutely the company for you. They have delicious meals that are also incredibly healthy that include freshly prepped salmon and asparagus, shrimp, spinach, chicken, and a whole lot more. I personally like to top off my meals with their chocolate and peanut butter protein balls that are my absolute favorites. If you want to go to eatcleanbro.com today and use my promo code WTG, you'll receive 10% off of every single order. I'm not kidding when I say I really love this company and use them weekly myself. They help me maintain a steady diet and reduce the stresses and labor of putting together a good tasting healthy meal. Go check out eatcleanbro.com today. Now let's get back into it. So I want to take you, uh, on a complete kind of U-turn that we had we had talked about when you were kind of outside um, when you first got here. Yeah. Because I, what I'm always curious about with with people that um, either are A, successful, B, that I um, respect and admire, is also kind of like overcoming uh, different mental hurdles. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, even in our conversation right now about manifesting and getting your mind right, it's a, it's a lot, obviously, on the mental. Um, for you... Growing up the way you did, mm-hmm. uh, Christian conservative, and then got married very young. Mm-hmm. Obviously, want to touch on that really quick. Um, and then a second marriage that is obviously awesome right now. There had to have been in over the course of your life uh, different mental hurdles that you had to overcome. And I'm curious, uh, if you don't mind, candidly, to because I do think that kind of plays into like the inspiration, like you being an inspiration yeah. for people. I'm sure that there are a lot of people that were in similar situations that you were. And I do, uh, I think it's awesome that you have spoken about it openly on my show, but other shows about different moments um, where MMA not only saved you because mm. of different uh, places that you were at in life, but just being very candid about some of the psychological difficulties that you had at times. And I don't know if there's maybe one or two of those mental hurdles that you're willing to pinpoint yeah. that that really kind of progressed you just in life, you know, professional apart. Yeah. So I think, you know, along with what we talked about earlier with being sort of that 
people-pleasery personality, perfectionism, A-type, all of that stuff I have in abundance. I I led a very... And to this day, honestly, I was actually just having a conversation with someone the other day about this. I have a very, I've had a very easy life and it's a weird thing. It's almost like survivor's guilt. Like um, being on the Contender Series is a perfect example because I come across these stories and I think maybe that's why they affect me so much. Mm. Like the things that other people have been through and things that they have overcome to get where they are on paper are so much more than anything I've ever had to go through in my life. Like I was raised in a great family. My parents were not divorced. You know, we had an upper middle class upbringing. Like I never wanted for anything. I had a great school. I have a great relationship with my brother. Like no one close to me has ever uh, passed away. Yeah. I mean, recently I've I've lost like friends, but I guess what I'm saying is like, I didn't lose a parent. I I have not lost a child. Like all of these things that I, I can't even wrap my mind around having to deal with and overcome. And yet I would find myself dealing with depression. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost like I would be sitting there yelling at myself and chastising myself. Like, how could you possibly feel shitty? You Mm -hmm. have what looks to be for many a perfect life. Like, is this recent or more? Oh, it's my my whole life, my whole life. Like what, what could you possibly have to complain about? Like you ungrateful bitch. (laughs) Um, And it's taken, you know, I haven't had, uh, I haven't had a major mental health struggle in a while, but I think when you are someone who leans that direction, it's kind of always there Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, But yeah, what you alluded to before. So when I got married really, really young, because that felt like, you know, the way that I was raised, that felt like the goal. Like I, I got a fantastic ACT score and could have, I got a 34 on my ACT and I could have gone anywhere. I heard you got, well, hold on. Before we get into like the deep stuff, I heard you got like a, from what I think it was either my show or a different show, you got like a 34 and you were like 12 or something. I wasn't 12. I was in, I was in middle school. Okay. It was like, I think it was ninth grade. Yeah. Ninth grade. I didn't even get a 34 when I was in 12th grade. (laughs) Let's talk about it. So. (laughs) And I could have, I could have gone anywhere. I know that now, but the way I was raised, right. it's not like my parents were super excited for me and proud right. and like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. But it wasn't like, hey, you should probably go to MIT right. <laughs> or hey, you should, you could probably do anything you want to do. And why, I was really science minded. I think it's because it's not like being a career woman was demonized. Mm. It just wasn't what you do. Right, right. You go to college only because that's what that's that's what we people do you know and then and then you find the right guy and then you get married and you raise a good christian family that's the goal mm-hmm. and having a career can distract from that mm-hmm. you know it, again it was i was never said like you shouldn't work my parents would never have said that to right. me um and my dad actually always dragged me like into his professional life so i don't mean to make it sound like mm-hmm. they were you right. know totally back it's not that way at all it just was never like, it was never the goal. It was never something that was put up on a pedestal. So um, I did get married really young because I thought that was the goal. And I d- For people out there, you were about 23, 24. Tw- yeah, I can't, honestly can't remember. I was like 23, but I was only married for six months because it was such a total failure. 
disaster, whole mess. Do you, I mean, do you mind even just touching on like what so, the main? I mean, without having to yeah. Go crazy so into it if you don't want to, the, I met I met him. I I worked through college. Not only not only did I carry twenty six credit hours, but I was also working a full time job in public relations at the time. Wow. So. Um, I've been looking back. It was just ridiculous. I didn't. I should have partied. I didn't. <laughs> um, uh, and he worked at the place where I was working, and we met. And he was funny and charming, and he was um, older. yes, older. Um, ironically, the same age at difference as my husband, husband, husband. Okay. Um, and I've always dated older guys. Like that's just my whole life. I've always dated older guys, uh, even when I was younger. Um, and. It just seemed like he, he was just different than any other guy I dated before. And he seemed much more together as you would be when you're 30 something. <laughs> Wait, what's the, what's the difference? 13 years. 13 okay, years. Wow. Yeah. So you were 23, 24. Yeah, and he was 36. Years. That's a difference. Yeah, it is. I see that now. But even then, I mean, listen, you're one to talk. I mean, I was kind of <laughs> like you. Like, no one ever knew how old right. I was yeah. because I just carried myself Thank you. for, you know, in a much more mature way, I guess. It would, that, that the age difference really wasn't the problem um it was he so because we worked together and i moved in with him pretty quickly and then our lives were just so parallel and he knew all my friends and i knew all his friends and like we worked together and then we lived together so like there was never any he knew where i was at all times and then uh very quickly i took another job in venture capital it's when i switched from public relations to the venture capital right. stuff and you know i had a world outside of him and then i started to see the red flags i should have seen when we were dating but because we were dating in such a bubble i didn't they weren't there i won't go into details right. but it was like a whole mess okay. he put tracking shit on my computer and like threats and um Holy it was it was after getting married Yes, it was like a whole. He would, yeah. he had a problem. He had a real, real problem that I was not aware of, and then it got way worse when I was like red flag like during. Not that I can remember, but That's I was also twenty three and, right. and an idiot. So like I wouldn't, you know, thirty eight year old me would probably would have seen some, <laughs> but I just didn't. And, um, yeah, it 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 progressed to a really not good place yeah. and some really weird shit went on. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm out. I'm going to move back in with my parents. And then it really escalated when I was like, I'm leaving you. Um, and it was really tough because at first my parents were like, I'm sorry, what? Right. Because the way I was raised, um, you know, the goal in life is to have a good marriage right. and a good family and to stay together and that's like what you do and so here i am i've done everything right my whole life and i go and fuck up the one thing you're not supposed to fuck yeah. up right out the right out the gate you know like yep. and they thought i was crazy um but luckily because i moved home they started getting brought into the the chaos and some of the things that he was doing um and they were like oh wow no yeah you're good you're good yeah we don't we'll just move on from this one right. we'll just We'll just so it's funny because like I don't really think about him that much because we were married for such a short period of time, and I don't really think of myself as being on my second marriage because <laughs> I didn't we didn't have kids like right. it was so it was so quick uh, and just you know what do they call it like it's just a gimme like we'll just <laughs> pretend that that one didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably exactly. should have just gotten it annulled. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know legally how that works, but I whatever. Know, yeah. I don't know. Wow. And how do you think? 
that shaped you, I guess, moving forward, uh, you know, mentally and also being able to, because I think what's, what I'm curious about is there's probably a lot of people out there that not only had a situation where they got romantically involved, whether it's marriage or very seriously, and it didn't work out, you know, at a young age mm -hmm. and whatever. But I think also there's probably a lot of um, young people out there that come from similar backgrounds like yours, where it is that that is that still remains. And I'm not even saying like just in like Christian conservative, yeah. you know, Muslim and through all religions, it would be shamed upon or frowned upon to get divorced, especially yeah. so young, especially all that. For you, I think, how did you kind of overcome that that shame? And if there's, you know, some young person out there that had that or is still young and is kind of going through that at this point in time, yeah. what would you say to them? Man, I would just say that uh, at 38, looking back, I can now say life is just, life is not, life is messy, you know? I think especially when you grow up in these, and I want to, I mean, in many ways, the major religions that I'm familiar with mm -hmm. have a lot of things in common, whether it's Islam, yeah. Judaism, Christianity. And it is, it's this, it's this like family first. And that's a beautiful thing. And right. that is, I think there's so much good that can come out of that. But it's, it's then the idea that like, if you accidentally break out of that mold, okay, is there guilt involved? Is there shame involved? Is there, um, will you be shunned by whether it's your family or your church or whomever? Will you be, you know, looked at sideways? Like, oh God, she went and got married and then she like, you know, really fucked that one up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have to, this sounds so trite, but you you just, you have to be true to yourself. And it's something I like, because I still consider myself, like I, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm my faith just looks different than I think my parents envisioned mm -hmm. it would. Like I just clearly dropped an F-bomb. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't, um, my, that's it. My faith looks different than I think what my parents thought it was going to, but it's still very much there. And I've, I guess as an adult, I've realized that my relationship with God and whatever, whatever name you use for God, right. my relationship with God is, it's just that it, it's my relationship. And right. it's just like the relationship that you have with, a person like you can't expect my relationship with you to look like his, his relationship with you right. it just doesn't work that way it's two individuals and so that's to me that's how i find spirituality so if you honor that spirituality um you you have to honor what what feels right to you because to me that is god talking to mm -hmm. you right i don't know it's, it's probably there are probably a lot of um Christians out there, if, the, if they're watching this going, well, that's not what the Bible says. I, I would trust me. I was raised that way. Like I went to Christian schools my entire life. I read the, I read the Bible more than once. You know, I could quote scripture all day long, but at the end of the day, I do think that like the verse that's always stuck out to me is that is the shortest verse in the Bible. God is love. And not to get geeky, but like if you think of it, I can't remember the math property, but transitive, transitive property. Thank There's you. There's one thing that I know. God it's is that. love. And then to me, that means that love is God. Mm -hmm. And so above all things, whether it's love for yourself, whether it's love for other people, whether it is love for um, what you do, like that is of the utmost importance. And that's where you're going to find meaning and that's where you're going to find where that's where you're going to fill that hole that I think all of us have to some degree. Like, why are we here? 
where is this going? What are we doing? Right. You know, purpose. To me, that's that's where I find purpose is that God is love and therefore love is love is God. Did you ever have any resentment towards maybe your parents or your family that there was that kind of uh, expectation or correct me if it's not accurate, but narrow mindedness in that sense of like things have to be this way. And because naturally the one of the reasons pro- why you probably felt that guilt or that shame mm-hmm. at that point in time was because there was those expectations on you. Yeah, and it was, it was probably less my parents and more just the community as a People whole. Yeah, so like, again, probably more my school, to be honest. I went to a really conservative Christian school. You know, the dress code was hilariously ridiculous. It's, this T-shirt reminded me because, like, I grew up loving Nirvana, but of right. course you couldn't, you know, like, right. a lot of kids no. I went to school with weren't even allowed to listen to the radio, you know. My, right. So for for my standards, my parents were pretty, like, I could listen to Nirvana. Well, they seem you know? also like they're willing to. Uh, no, I don't know your parents, but they seem yeah. like they're also willing to listen and change their minds. Yes. which is important. Yeah. which is a sign of intelligence. Maybe in not change their minds. Okay, but the listening part. You know, they're they're not they're not overly narrow minded by any stretch of the and imagination. First and foremost, they love you. Yes, that's the most important, Th- and that really is the biggest thing. Do they wish I went to church? Yes, <laughs> they really, really do. Um, but. That doesn't mean that they're not going to talk right. to me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they they love me at the end of the day. And I guess to circle back, that would be my point to anybody who is concerned with breaking outside of some sort of cultural or religious bubble. Is just you have to like, you have to know that the people who don't accept you after right. making that decision were not meant to be in your life anyway. Right. And there will be people on the other side of it, both from your community and not who will grow with you through those changes. And, you know, I I don't, I think overall, like, religion, um, maybe I won't say religion, but like the way I was raised, everything felt very black and white. Like there are right decisions and there are wrong decisions in almost anything. And I would say that at this point in my life, I think that almost every decision is gray. Mm -hmm. Like, had I gone to MIT or Harvard and gone into some sort of scientific field can I say that that was the wrong decision that I'm here you know like Mm -hmm. I just don't know that there's it's just different it's just different and it's easier to look at things as black and white and right or wrong but I think that there are pros and cons to about almost any decision that you make in life do I stay in this relationship do I leave this relationship do I take this job do I not take this job do I move to this new city or not it's not like there's one decision where you make that decision and the rest of your life is like happily ever after. You know what I mean? And then the other fork, if you went the other way, you know, it's all bad or whatever. Just life just doesn't work like that. Can I ask you something very candidly? Sure. Romantically, mm-hmm. how did you learn to trust again? Um, It took a long time, but really I think I'd be, I'd be taking too much credit if uh, – if I made it sound like that was the issue, I think probably I was more like clingy and I needed to move on to the next thing. And my husband was like basically a confirmed bachelor, like did not want to get married. So we dated for seven years. So if I'd had it my way, I probably would have jumped into something right away again and probably would have just continued to, you know, repeat some sort of negative cycle. But because we were forced to date for so long, and during that dating time, I lived here by myself, 
right. and struggled with a long distance relationship and the ups and downs of that, you know, I think, so I really have to kind of give credit to him for like being like, no, 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 for a while. And he was, so he was like against it or? He... No, he just didn't really feel like it was necessary. He's, he's. So what, what magic trick did you pull to? He's going to kill me for telling this story, but like. I just got so sick of waiting, you know, like everybody's like, <laughs> everybody has a, everybody has a great proposal story. Um, we'd been living together for like five years at this point. And I think one day I was in the kitchen and I was just like, can I just start planning a wedding? He's like, yeah, I guess. So that was, <laughs> nice. <laughs> that, was, that was how we got, that was how we got engaged. And then like, uh, <laughs> I went on, I was going on a bachelorette, my bachelorette trip. Um, a buddy of his has like this incredible, like 36 foot yacht down at the Lake of the Ozarks. And we were going to go hang out on this guy's yacht. And uh, my ring, like, because I had worked in New York in the diamond business, I hooked him up with one of my diamond guys. So like a really, really good rock at a, at a, at a good price. And it had just come in the mail. And so like, I'm pulling out of the driveway and that's how he gave me the ring. And he's just like, hey, your ring's here. Here's the package. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a video of it. He just like tears open. Here it is. You know, like that. But that's just, that's just that's him. Ju- that's just him. He's not, he's not the yeah, romantic but that, I feel that's like okay. that's also awesome. You know, yeah. it's just like. Yeah. You guys knew. Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the, what are you most proud of um, mom wise? Oh, um, I think I'm most proud of kind of what I talked about earlier that my son is so uh he's so in tune with how people feel mm. and that can be hard because then you take on those feelings and that's kind of how I am but at seven years old to be able to like really articulate how he feels and then have a heart for other people now he can I mean he can be honoring trust me it's not like he's some perfect little angel by any stretch of the imagination but when it really comes down to it when he sees someone uh hurting like he really wants to to help them and that means more to me than you know getting straight A's or you know any of that type of stuff I actually have to really keep myself in check with that type of stuff because I'm that way it's hard for me not to have those expectations of him and he's good at school he's whip smart but he also kind of doesn't care. Yeah. And the not caring part, I'm like, but how can it'll, you not it'll, care? It'll get you over time. I'm like, how can that? Yeah. What, what do you mean you don't? <laughs> it doesn't bother you that you, I mean, I don't say this out loud, but in my head, I'm like, you got to be, what you, do? you could do better than that, you know? Uh-oh. That's just how my brain Uh-oh. works. So I really, you know, the, you, you have those parents that yep. overcoach. Yep. He's not really into sports. I'm the, I'm the mom that's like, I have to really keep it in check about the academics. Like, C's are fine. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> he's also seven so yeah. you know maybe maybe chill out laura <laughs> uh-oh he's gonna be fine i'm are gonna you, be fine are you gonna get him into jujitsu you know if he wants to we um we pl- we used to probably more he's getting fairly strong now i should probably try it again uh we used to like play fight a fair amount on the trampoline you right now? no 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 i can still take him and, but that's the funny thing is like i'll tell him i'm be like there's gonna come a day uh-oh when you're yeah. going to be able to beat me. Oh, he will. But I'm like, I think it might take longer than you think. You might have to be 14-ish. Depends on how big he is. Depends on how big and strong he is. Is he, uh, has he brought home his first girlfriend yet? 
actually, yes, he had one, and he's very like so he's into, gonna be a, he, he's yes. he's a good look he's a little good looking kid. He's gonna be a little heartbreaker, no? Yeah, well, and he you like be careful. He's socially precocious, so okay. like at recess, that was the thing. And this is he's in second grade now, but back in kindergarten. He came home one day. He's like, Mom, you would not believe what happened to Reese. He's like, I had to protect my girls. Like, you know, so-and-so was trying to push him. And he's like, so I stood there. I was like, not my girls, you know. And I was like, well, you have multiple girls. He's like, yeah, I'm dating two girls. <laughs> so, yeah, he's already. Already? Yes. There was, and two? I was like, and I asked him, I was like, do they know? Do they both know about it? He's like, oh, yeah, no, they both know. They're fine with it. I'm like, all right, well, all right, we'll move to Utah. <laughs> <laughs> have you met? Have you met these two? They're no longer in his life. Um, you know, okay, so it was he, kindergarten. He switched schools. Um, he's kind of going through a little more of a. I wouldn't say a girls are yucky phase, but okay. a little, little I feel bit. Like you go up and down. The yeah, camera, huh? I think he's a little bit more like a, um, a little bit more standoffish about, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with. How are you going to vet his future girlfriends oh when they're? Oh my god. Oh. Can I tell you something? It is terrifying. I know that's like the running joke of like, especially UFC dads, right? Like, ha, 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 I'm going to, you know. It's just as scary to be a boy mom or a boy parent. Interesting. Because, I mean, we don't want to get in all this, but like guys, guys in this day and age have to be incredibly careful with how they handle themselves in any situation, but especially when it comes to interacting with females. And it's not something that you had to do this level yep. of like checking yourself. And I'm not saying that a certain degree of that is not a good idea, right. but like, Agreed. like my husband was joking the other day. He's like, I mean, he's like, fuck when I, when I thought I liked a girl, I would just run up and try to kiss her. And if she, you know, pushed me away, like and I'd be like, oh, you know, that's like your what, husband would get canceled. That's from saying, like, <laughs> no, I know. no, I know. No, he but I know, would. But, but I know he exactly would. what you're talking like, about. Because my mom is the same. She's of the same. I think she's about the same age as your husband. Yeah. And so um, she comes from that same school of thought, you know? Yeah. For her, it's like, for her, it's like she would be, she would be insulted if a guy asked her if she could kiss her, asked her if she could, if, if it was under the yeah. assumption that she like, she yeah. was, you know. I mean, consenting already. You you probably know my sense of humor now. Yes. And my husband's is even more so. So we were driving in the car. Burke was not in the car the other day. He's he's like, how the fuck do people get to third base these days? Like, <laughs> do you need a do you like do you bring a, a tab with like with permission? I, like, I, hey, wait, hey you will you something? sign this can, before? Wait, no, before... can I tell you something? And this I can actually make public knowledge because my guest spoke about it openly on my show. I was actually no, I can I can say his name. I don't know if you're familiar with Harry Jowsey. No. He's like a big TikToker. He's on Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. Okay. I he's like he's like a super good looking guy. Yeah. He spoke openly on my show. I'm gonna have to double check if he spoke openly on my show or if it was after. So before I yeah, edit, edit or fine. not edit this out, he has a lawyer that has drafted up a consent agreement that every girl he hooks up with before they hook up, he makes them sign it because he's a very well known. He's got millions of followers. Yeah. That and the other thing. And in a way, when when he was telling me this, I was like, dude, this is terrible. Yeah. Also, like, what a vibe kill, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, especially when you know Harry, like, this guy is nothing but respectful. Yeah. You know, I think you can tell. Anyways, but it's a it's a it's very it's a very interesting conversation, I think. And I think that, um, you know, it's funny that the way your husband put it, but it's like like people all the top athletes, just so you know, like all of the NFL players. Yeah. I've I've talked to like a lawyer who represents a ton of I won't say what team. He has he sells them at ten thousand dollars a pop. There you go. 
But what do you do when you're in college and you can't afford that lawyer? You know, do you just like drop your own contract? I mean, you, you, I, being, well, I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to it as someone who's in college. Uh, and I think hopefully it's interesting for other people. It's like you definitely take you need to you need to know 100 percent who you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, and for me personally, it's like I won't take a I won't take that risk unless I'm I mean, first of all, like hopefully you set your standards high yeah. for the people. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's definitely like there are there. It's crazy. There's this thing for high schoolers in New York City. I'll give you a great example um, where. The, the high school that I went to, shout out to Beacon, is, it, is one of the best, uh, pu- is a very good public high school. And there was a page, I don't know if it was necessarily for Beacon or whatever, but it was a page that high schoolers in New York City were running on their own that were taking anonymous tips about boys who had crossed a line. Now, the way it worked is tomorrow you don't like me. Yeah. You can write to that page and you can say Felix did X, Y, and Z. That's what I'm and they'll And they won't like ask for proof. They won't ask anything. They will just and, and they'll post Put it, it out. They'll post it with my name, and and so, I agree. You know, it's it's a scary it's a scary world in that sense. You know, yeah. now granted, I think it's great that people get called out on when they when they definitely cross that line. When they do cross the but, line, but I think that it's so counterintuitive to that movement Thank to you. have every situation, especially when you have high schoolers running an Insta- an anonymous Instagram page. I have I have a great example of this that I'm not I'm not concerned at all to talk about. So when the whole Tanya Evinger incident happened, which right. you're familiar with, yes. right? Yes. Just so people yeah. that so are listening. I was on, was back when I was working for Invicta, Tanya Evinger, an openly gay athlete, won a championship. And she thought it'd be funny. Like I was in cage interviewing her after she won. And she grabs the mic. I had already like yelled. And she grabs the mic. She's like, I want to win moment of the year. And she grabs me and like gives me a huge kiss on the mouth on television. I thought it was hilarious. People came at her with you know, pitchforks and torches because they're like, this is sexual assault. And it, you know, it sparked like that, you know, if that had been a guy, he'd be fired and that, and which is probably true. But this is, this is the thing that drove me crazy about that situation. Like it happened, it happened to me and I found it funny. She knew me well, I shouldn't know me that well, but she knew me well enough to know I would find it funny. I did not feel threatened it was in a open, it was on television, like we weren't in some dark alley. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were like, that's sexual assault, that's sexual assault. Like, And then they start having these conversations about like, you know, if that had been a, uh, whatever. I don't like, you, I don't like equating that with the actual sexual assaults that I have heard my friends experience, right. people close to me experience, like, I personally know people who have been raped by strangers uh, in a very horrible and violent way. And so to, I get we all want to be safe and protected or whatever, but like you cannot tell me that that is the same as that. Like those are two different things. It it goes back to to the gray, you know, Yeah. and that different things have to be called different, like different criminal acts have to be called, like there's, and regret. I'm sorry, but like waking up the next day and going, "Shit, I should not have slept with that guy." Is not and and yep. well, he was a little pushy. I didn't really want to sleep with him. Oh man, I really didn't. You know, like you start yeah. to have this conversation, we're like, yeah. "That's not the same thing." Yeah, it's not. No, I think it's important for people like you know, to people that are smart and articulate like yourself to say that. You know, yeah. because I think that um, 
yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird world um, that we're in these days. And like even my mom jokes about it. she's like, well, if you're at work and you see like if out when I was at work back back when she worked, um, and I saw like a hot guy at work, I want him to I want him to hit on. I want to go to drinks with him after. But she's yeah. like, how do does that like now? There's different there's yeah. levels, right? You don't of want course. you don't want your male colleague to put you in an uncomfortable position. But there's also those moments where my mom's like. I wanted to go get a drink with him after. Like, how how does that work for you? You can't like, have it know. both ways. Like, you can't you can't want um, any sort of like traditional like I want a man I want a man who's willing to go the extra mm-hmm. mile and woo me and chase me, but don't chase me too much. You know, like that has to be so fucking confusing being a guy in the state. I'm just glad I don't have to deal now, with it. Now, as a mom, how do you educate your child be- knowing this? Well, he's seven, so I haven't okay, gone there to, yet. You got, time, you got some time. You got some time. Now, granted, Maybe I will say this. I I'll will be calling say, you back in a couple I, years. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to Burke. Um, but I will say that, uh, you know, I think that we're also – there's, like, also pushback on, on that kind of extremity. Yeah. And I think that, like, we're looking at a very – obviously a very polarized country – where there's the right and the left, and then they're either on one side or you're on the other, and it, either you feel this way about sexual assault, you feel that mm-hmm. way about sexual assault. But I think now there's also like people are so just like repulsed by the two ends of the spectrum that they're yes. meeting somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And I think we're gonna go back to like I think it's awesome that we're calling bad people out for being bad people. You have to. You have to. And those things do exist. Of like course. the the shit that went on in Hollywood, it exists. Yes. It needs to be brought 100%. out to light. It needs to be. Hundred percent. Uh, talked about and never happened again but you can't start throwing everything in that bucket exactly. and pretending that all all of those incidents are equal because they're just not 100 percent. yeah but how do you as i'm curious just like as a mom like obviously you're not there yet but it's just like what what do you imagine that conversation could look like because i'm sure a lot of moms are in that same boat where they have a few years yeah. and whatever but it's still like it's a it's a converse and obviously your son is very well mannered and has two great parents so he's gonna he has the proper education it's yeah. not like he's coming from a place where you know, maybe there's no present mom or dad or, you know. I just think, I think everything has to be done with the moral compass. If you have to lie about anything, and I don't mean like um, a black and white lie, if you have to like curve your story to get a girl to like you, right. you need to check yourself. Like, right. So if you're, if you're lying to get a girl to like you or to be in a sort of, some sort of situation with you, check yourself. Mm-hmm. Like if... If she is saying things like, no, I don't think so. Like, I'm tired. I want to go home. Fucking listen when she says that because she's trying to be nice right. and doesn't want to doesn't want to make you mad. And yep. she might still want to see you the next day. She's just like, in this moment, this is not happening. Like, you just it's just about being a polite, good, yeah. good person. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and, and to your point earlier, having a certain standard about the type of people that you're associating to begin with because right. I think that that takes – a lot of this out yes. of the equation. It bets them. Yes, yes. Maybe let me talk to them all first. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> what do you imagine that when he brings like his first serious girlfriend? You think you're gonna be that oh, you're mom? Making, who's like, oh, you're making me nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> I think no, but I'm trying to picture you in that situation. It's just hard. It's hard to think about because he's still. He's just now, like, becoming a little tween you know what i mean because mm-hmm. kids i think nowadays are growing up a little bit faster i keep him Does off a phone no god no when's he and i'm gonna be one phone? of those parents a are phone you, phone but you're gonna you're gonna watch i bet you you'll cave at least a year or two earlier than you're saying right maybe now. but when he's begging you he's like mom all my friends have a phone i don't have a phone well if he gets a phone it's not gonna have it's gonna have restrictions on it and like oh. i <laughs> no data <laughs> <laughs> i i just 
he gets exposed to a lot. It's not like I'm raising him in a bubble. And it's funny because I think probably compared to his peers, especially because he goes to a Christian school also, um, he probably knows way more about sex than any other seven-year-old boy. Part of that is because we live on a farm. And, like, those conversations naturally take place. Really? Yeah. Farm life. Well, when you see a bull getting on a cow and your son's like, oh, what's he doing? Ah, got to explain. You got to explain. Or, like, like when you see, I mean, I can't believe this is going on the radio, but, like, my my seven year old can like drive through the herd and being like, oh that <laughs> that cow's vulva is like really puffy, so like she's gonna have her baby in the next you know week or not so. A lot of seven year olds could do that. I couldn't do that at seven. No, not a lot of seven year olds have ever heard the word vulva. No, yeah, but Most he knows the difference between a vagina and a vulva and like oh. where babies come from. And I've he has asked a lot of questions about how he was born and what happened and. I give him accurate information. The PG, the PG version? Yeah. And then, like, if he keeps asking, then I'll give him accurate information. And, like, yeah. I'll let him, <laughs> if he wants to keep drilling down, I'll go there. And But, yeah, it's usually, like, you know, whatever version. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, I'm, I think, yeah, I think you're right, though, about being a, a mom of a boy. Because, you know, I, of course, and you'll you'll probably get to this point at some point in time where, you're going to butt heads because you're, you're going to deal with a teenager. And I yeah. remember when I did that with my mom as well. And, and then you kind of appreciate it when you get a little bit older. Um, but, you know, I, I think in retrospect and in getting older, you appreciate. I have so much, um, you know, I mean, obviously I love my mom. But yeah. I have so much uh, respect and really just I'm impressed at being able to deal with a young teenage boy. Because when those hormones start kicking in, you yeah. know, they, they want to do everything their way. And um I, for a trip. <laughs> I've told him from a very young age this we had what I I this is like when he was three so really little three four five we'd be talking and hanging out and I wanted him to know really early on that he could come to me with anything because I think that's the key to keeping bad decisions from being made because when you start to hide things mm-hmm. because you think your parents wouldn't approve or would find it shameful or whatever that's when you can start having thing, right. bad things happen so I wanted him to know like you can come to me with anything. And so I said, listen, this is, we're going to have what's called the unicorn code. So if you come to me and you say, mom, I'm calling the unicorn code. That means that you can tell me anything about any situation. And I'm going to promise you, I will not get angry about it. We'll handle it. We'll figure it out. And I'm not going to get mad. Mm -hmm. And so I would give him examples. Now, again, he's three. So at that time, it was more like if you were at a friend's house and they had an older brother, and that older brother started watching a movie that you knew that you should, probably shouldn't be watching and right. that mom and dad wouldn't like, you know, how would you handle that situation? Mm. You know, like just role playing through stuff like that. Or even at that age, it's more like literal safety stuff. Like right. you're at a friend's house and they have a swimming pool and your friend's like, hey, let's jump in the right, swimming right, pool because right. my parents aren't looking. What do you do? Trying to like ha- help him th- think through those situations. But my goal at the end of it is like, Listen, dude, if you're in college and you got a fucking dead body in, in your trunk, you're calling mom, okay? And blackout and... I will, yeah, if you're if you're blackout drunk somewhere and you need someone to pick you up, it's going to be me or yeah. dad, okay? Yeah, like, yeah. I will, we'll talk well, about it later. Important. We'll deal with it later. Right. I'm just going to come get you and it'll be fine. I just want him to know that. <sighs> dead bodies, I'm here for him. <laughs> no dead bodies. No, I'm just kidding. No dead bodies. <laughs> I don't know what I was joking. No, to, no, but... dead no dead bodies. No dead bodies. <laughs> 
Well, to wrap things up. Yeah. We've covered, got, we've covered a lot. We've covered a lot. Um, <clears throat> you know, I asked you last time when you were on the show, legacy. But I think now it's more, you know, what I'm curious is because you have your professional goals and your personal goals and mm -hmm. your the way you view your life, I think um, instead of going like to the end of your life and what you hope, I guess more short term, like yeah. when you're 45 or 50 um, and you're at the place that you're at, what do you hope that that place not only looks like as a mother, mm -hmm. professionally, um, you know? Yeah, I think I think more than anything, it's it's a it's a feeling that I'm chasing, I guess, and that feeling is um, knowing that I've been impactful uh, in people's lives, whether that's through my work or it's through my home life, but knowing that I have like in some positive way left an imprint in such a way that if I were to, to die tomorrow, mm -hmm. that my, the, the thought of me would be one of like love and positivity and that there wouldn't be any, well, but she was kind of a bitch, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I think it's more that than anything. And so with that comes, you know, the respect I'm striving for professionally. Um, and, yeah, just the love and example that I want to show my son and and you know be toward my my husband too. Well, I can I can confidently say that um, there are a lot of people that already feel that way about you and would, Thanks. God forbid, um, and would think those things about you. And uh, I think from from my perspective, uh, I thank you for not just. You know, and, and I get inspired by my guests in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, everyone, I take a I try to take a little something from every guest. And uh, I've definitely taken a lot from you uh, the first time that we talked and now the second time um, that I had you on my show. And it motivates me. I think people, uh, you know, seeing somebody get one thing that's very difficult to get and then want something else yeah. lights a fire in myself. So I thank you for that. Um, and I thank you for taking the time and, you know, being someone that honestly uh, I look up to and I'm sure a lot of young uh, young boys and girls, uh, you know, you are becoming, you are an inspiration already and are continuing to do so. So uh, I'm just excited for this next future, uh, this you. more healthy life. And uh, yeah, thank I'm you. I'm excited too. I'm excited too. And I hope, like you said, that this all gets clipped up and we can circle back to this conversation in who knows how long, maybe a year, maybe more, who knows. And uh, yeah, I'd be like, hey, remember that time we talked about? We'll just keep oh. doing it. We'll just keep doing it. Amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, and thank you for the Island Boys. <laughs> that I'm Above excited. all else. I'm excited for. <laughs> Laura Sanko, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome.